Hey guys, hello and welcome. Welcome to episode 24. This episode is pretty much about um, identifying kind of early warning signs, whether you're just in the early phases of dating someone or not even dating where you're kind of just seeing someone or messaging with them um, on an app and you're getting to know them. And I'm going to kind of give you some warning signs for you to be able to identify if it does crop up. And mainly I'm going to be talking about relationships like dating, but a lot of these warning signs you can actually, you can use this for friends as well or friends of friends and things like that. People that you can kind of see from a mile away that are actually going to be toxic. Um, So, and I'm also going to dabble into like a personal little fun anecdote, um, fun, more fun might not be the word to use for that, but an anecdote of my week, um, just to drive that message home of like how, how toxicity can come in all shapes and sizes and different people. And, you know, it can be a friend of a friend, it can be whatever, but it's just an encounter that I had that I think would be interesting to talk to you guys about, because I'm sure we have all either been there or seen it happen, or been this person doing it to someone else. So I think it'll be good to talk about that. Uh, I am going to be doing my brain fact or myth, whatever. Before we get into all of that, just a little rundown of my week. Uh, I actually got to stay at the Intercontinental Hotel last weekend. And honestly, a fucking vibe. It was a vibe. I don't know what to say. Like, as you know, I am single Uh, the first night I stayed with my cousin Giselle in that bed and that bed is so enormous that the two of us literally sprawled out, not even like remotely touching. And then the second night alone, I could literally do like full on barrel rolls in this bed and not reach the end. It was fucking amazing. And anyway, loved it, loved it, loved it. And it was really good to kind of reset. I was able to, cause I thrive I don't know why, but I really thrive when I'm constantly changing up the location of where I am to do creative work. And when I say creative work, I'm referring to like planning mindset hacks, planning the podcast, you know, doing a lot of like content creation and things like that. And of course, uni work. So for me, I fucking love changing it up. It actually makes me more focused because I don't know what it is. And there's, you know, they even did a study on this and it's a fact that if you keep changing the environment that you're in, weirdly, instead of being distracted because there's all this new stimulus around you, you're actually more likely to get shit done. Um, I don't know why that is. Maybe because you're not complacent, maybe because you're slightly more alert that that then carries on to being more focused on the work that you're doing. It's still undetermined why that is, but in general, people do focus a little bit better if they're changing the environment that they're like either studying in or, you know, writing or doing any creative work. So that is a fun fucking fact for us all to know. Um, What else did I do? I've been really getting back into the gym during like COVID and all of that. I've been quite slack. So I've been honestly dying fatigued as fuck with all like honestly my whole body because I've been doing gym sessions back to back because I'm so excited that I'm back into it but yeah kind of need some downtime needed to chill out and then I submitted my second last piece of assessment for the year um oh it's just exciting. It's so exciting. We're getting to like the pointy end of my degree. So I'm going to do, I've got that assessment that I submitted. Then I've got one next month. Then I've got three months off, which in my opinion is too long, too long. It's too fucking long. 
oh, I just like get me back into uni, get me back in the zone. It gives you too much time to get out of the zone is how I feel. Anyway, then next semester, hopefully I can get three subjects done in one semester, which will mean I graduate mid next year, but I'm not going to put pressure on myself. We see how we go. Anyway, clearly not that much of an eventful week, so we could just get straight into this podcast. Um, Also, can I just say on my Facebook page, uh, there were so many people doing, you know, like mentioning where they're from. So I'm just going to do occasionally on my podcast, just do a shout out from different locations in the world, but shout out to my fucking listeners in New York City. Hello. Thank you so much. I don't know if it's just a handful of you, but hello, personal hello to you. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch kind of all around the States actually, which is pretty cool because most of my listeners are from Australia um, and New Zealand. Fucking love my Kiwis as well. God, I, I need to stop. I'm probably going to start mentioning all the countries in the world. One at a time, Alexis. So today we say hola to you guys in the US. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyway, good times. Maybe I'll start mentioning names. Hey, maybe I'll start doing like shout outs from people who are in my Facebook group and mentioning actual names and personally saying hello to you guys. I'm just pulling up my um, Facebook thing right now. Um, Hannah Bowman. Sup, babe? Sup, you sick bitch? Hello. Anyway, Fuck yes, I'm loving this. I feel like I like know you guys personally, but not at all. Not at all, but I really do. Anyway, let's get straight into it. Let's talk uh, brain facts first. Let's get into the brain facts and then we'll get into the rest of the podcast. Yay, I'm excited. So this is going to be more of a pharmacology kind of segment just to clear things up about um, downers and what we consider as like depressants. So the effects of alcohol or ethanol on the brain and all of that, that's what I'm going to be talking about. So it's, it's more a fact than it's definitely not a myth. Well, it's kind of a myth, okay? It's kind of a myth. So there's this kind of concept that people think that because alcohol is called a depressant, that it makes you depressed. But I'm sure many of us have had many fabulous nights out on the booze, whether it's just one drink or many drinks and you're having a great time and you're like, wow, this isn't really depressing me. Um, But then other times, if you're already quite sad and then you drink, it can make you sadder. So what is the deal? The reason alcohol, well, it's, it's, you know, the active ingredient that that makes it have the effects that it has on you, which is ethanol. The reason that ethanol is considered a depressant is because it depresses your central nervous system. So I'm actually a bit excited here because I get to go a little bit scientific on your ass and you know how much I love the science side of things and I've had a few people message me being like, do a little bit more science on it. Well, the people have asked and I am now delivering a little science segment here and pharmacology is like my thing. I fucking love pharmacology. So here we go. The main effects of alcohol on the central nervous system are on two of the major um, neurotransmitter receptors. So you've got the GABA receptor and then you've got the glutamate receptor. GABA is a neurotransmitter and it's the major inhibitory neurotransmitter in the central nervous system. So that is a transmitter that stops, um, that inhibits activity in the central nervous system. So that that's what makes you feel really relaxed, really sedated. And if you have enough of it, then you literally lose consciousness because that's how much inhibition is going on. Whereas 
Glutamate is the opposite. It is an excitatory neurotransmitter. So it increases activity in the central nervous system. And if you have too much of um, too much activation, too much glutamate, then you can have other issues such as um, excitotoxicity. You can get depression. It gets complicated. I'm not going to go into it. But there's a lot of shit that's related to sort of the glutamate pathways and complications through that. So the way, let's talk about the first neurotransmitter and the first uh, receptor. We're talking about GABA, so inhibition. So the way that they, that scientists think that alcohol works or ethanol on the GABA receptor is that it's, it's called something called a positive allosteric modulator. So you've got the receptor there, GABA binds to that receptor, and then it sends the signal to inhibit activation. And if you've got alcohol, it binds to a separate pocket. And imagine just like a remote control, if you bind it to a separate pocket, you can kind of dial up or dial down what's going on. So it's because it is a positive allosteric modulator, it's positively modulating what's happening at that receptor site. So you've got GABA, you've got alcohol that lands on that site and it bumps up the inhibition. So you're getting more inhibition, therefore depressing your central nervous system. You're depressing activation. You're increasing inhibition. So that's why you feel super relaxed and super, your motor um, abilities, your capabilities, your motor capabilities are kind of all over the place. You know, people are stumbling, their gait's all over the place. They're slurring their speech because everything's kind of been inhibited. And if you have too much of it, then you pass out, you lose consciousness altogether. Then separate to that, Alcohol is also working on the receptor site of glutamate. And remember, glutamate is the major excitatory neurotransmitter in the central nervous system. So what that does is it blocks that site. So you're having less activation. So you're inhibiting, you're blocking the excitation in the brain. Whereas with GABA, you're increasing inhibition. So you're getting more of the, of the depressant and you're getting less activation and then there's all a whole bunch of other shit that alcohol does on the brain at the same time. So that's why it's called a depressant because you are depressing activation in the central nervous system. So there's a fun fact to throw around at a party when people say that alcohol is a depressant so it makes you depressed. That's bullshit. It actually increases activation through the dopamine pathways. That's why people get addicted to alcohol because it feels good. You're bumping up the dopamine pathways. It feels good. But then because it feels good, your brain is sending the signal to have more and have more and have more. Um, so some people are more like, are more partial to getting addicted easier than others, depending on how their kind of um, rewards pathways are wired in their brain. But that's a fun fact for you. That's what a depressant is. So if you're talking about drugs, uppers and downers and all of that and alcohol, a depressant or a downer is just something that depresses the central nervous system. It does not make you depressed per se. There's your fun fact. Now I'm going to be, the first thing I'm going to do is talk about that story that happened to me, that stunning, fun, just thrilling story, not that fun at all. Uh, And then I'll get into all the red slash pink. And when I say pink, I say it because it's like a milder version of red. So it might not be a raging red flag, but something similar. Um, And then we'll get into all of that. Because I think that a lot of people would go through what I went went through the other night. Um, 
It is just like a so- social situation that's not very pleasant, but it would affect some more than others and it would affect you depending on which social scenario you're in. So I was invited to go out with a friend of mine. I'm not going to mention any names, no point. I was invited to go out with a friend of mine to her group of friends birthday get together, right? So I'm kind of, I know them and they're legends, but I don't know all of them. So I'm kind of like the outsider and I'm like a kind of like a plus one and I'm friends with just a few of them. Not, I don't know a lot of them that are there. Um, And there's one girl in that group who, for whatever reason, I literally have probably seen her like three times in my life and she just does not like me for whatever reason. I don't know why. We've not even held a proper conversation, but your girl fucking hates me. Anyway, I arrive and she's there. She's coming down the stairs. And so I was like, well, she's the first person I see. Just go out a few way, just be nice to her, obviously. So I'm like, hey, how are you? And she barely utters like a grunt and then looks away from me. And then kind of like keeps walking off. And I was like, well, fucking hell. Like, and then when we were having a conversation in the car, going to, to the location, there was four of us in the car. At no point did she address like her, like anything she was saying. She didn't address me whatsoever. There was no direct interaction. It was all like her speaking to the other girls, not speaking to me, just being extremely and clearly dismissive. Like she really wanted me to know that she was being dismissive. Then she was leaving early a few hours later. And when she was leaving, she was standing directly next to me, is talking to my friend, the friend that I arrived with, and she was talking to her. And then she's like, anyway, bye. And I'm looking at her. She's not that looking at me. And I'm like, bye. Ignores me. Looks above my head, waves to everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye. Looks back at my friend who's right next to me saying, bye. Turns around and leaves. Like, fucking just, oh. Anyway, so I'm there thinking like this woman has like a serious problem. At no point did she want to speak to me look me in the eye. She would talk to everyone but me. It was clear. And I'm not the only one that noticed it. My other friends there were like, wow, what was her problem? What was her deal? You know, everyone could pick up on the fact that she was being outright, uh, like singling me out and genuinely trying to make it known that she does not like me, does not want to bar of me, does not want to give me any of her time or attention. And this is what annoyed me. I love my friends, but this is what annoyed me. They then said to me, oh, yeah, no, we saw that too, but maybe she's just insecure around you. I don't give a flying fuck if she's insecure. That doesn't give you the green light to go ahead and be a fucking dog to someone. That's not an excuse. I'm sorry. If you're insecure, that does not give you the fucking hall pass to go and be literally a cunt to someone. For no reason, especially when that person, i.e. me, is actively trying to talk to you and trying to be nice. That's not okay. And no one said anything to her, whatever. That's their, you know, prerogative. If if my friends didn't want to pull her up on it or whatever, that's up to them. But personally, if I was in a situation like that and I saw one of my friends being like blatantly rude and dismissive to another one of my friends, especially when like they don't really know each other that well. I honestly would have a word with them. I'd be like, is there a genuine reason why you don't like this person or why you act like blatantly and obviously being dismissive to them? 
Because if there's a real reason, fantastic, do your thing. But if there's no real reason, like I think, I think, I do think it's important to call people on their behavior and pull people up on their behavior. Like I don't, I don't know, each to their own, whatever. If people feel uncomfortable approaching their friends about it, that that's on you. I, there's nothing I can say about that. But personally, and I would hope that a lot of the people listening here, I think it would be appropriate to just pull them up, being like, what are you doing? Is that behavior getting you anywhere? Like, what? And what are you trying to achieve? That's like my biggest question. Like, what are you trying to achieve? And if you're listening to this and you're one of those people that engage in that behavior by singling someone out by completely ignoring them and, you know, dismissing them, not looking them in the eye. There's a group conversation going and if they talk, you refuse to talk to them. You have to ask yourself, what am I trying to achieve? Unless you're voicing it, unless you're aware of why you are doing what you are doing, then it's like that whole resentment thing, drinking poison and hoping that your enemy is going to die. Like what the fuck are you trying to achieve? So if you're one of those people that do that, like, come on, why, for starters? And are you achieving what you want to be achieving? What are you getting out of it? Has it worked? Is it working for you? And if it is working for you, fucking send me an email. I'd love to hear how. That would be great. Okay, now let's get into the whole topic of early warning signs for toxic or painful slash draining people. So like I said, mainly relationships, but of course this also does translate over to friendships as well. The first thing that I want you to think about before I start mentioning these warning signs or traits is that when it comes to these signs and often we, we see them but we turn a blind eye to them, it's because we think that it's going to get better. We think, oh, that's just a slip up. That's probably not their normal self or oh, this or oh, that. And you make excuses for other people's behavior. That is actually never going to ha- they're never going to get better it's never going to change if someone's behaving like that and i've said this before but if someone's behaving like that at the start of a relationship this is as good as it's going to get it's not going to get better their behavior at least is not going to get better that is them showing you their best self nobody nobody in this world enters a relationship thinking i'll show them the shit side of me and then if they have faith in me then I'll show them the good side. If they, without me telling them that I'm being shit, but I'll eventually be good, me just being a shit person, they're going to just have faith and hope and wish that I'm actually going to get better and be good. And then if they do that, then they've earned the good version of me. No one does that. So if you see these traits early on, that is your stamp. That is your confirmation. You now know for sure that is them at their best. So it's going to be this or worse. Guaranteed this is the, the, the minimum, but it will get worse most likely. So as long as you're aware of that and you're happy to put up with it, fine, do your thing. I don't care. But don't kid yourself. Don't fucking fool yourself thinking, oh, no, and then come up with every excuse under the sun as to why they behaved that way. There is no excuse. It's because that's just the way they are. And then another thing that I want to talk about before I get into it is – If you've ever been in a toxic relationship or if you are currently in one of these relationships where you're not sure if it's toxic or not and you tell yourself, oh, the lows are so low but the highs are so high that it's worth it, then you are in a toxic relationship if that's the case. If you feel that love 
must be you know, like a slog, you've got to work super hard. And if you're in a relationship where you're both fighting all the time and then getting back together and then fighting all the time, then that must really represent love because of like the suffering and all the strain that you guys put into it. And if you can both still want to be with each other after all these dramas, then that must be love. That's a toxic relationship. That is that is 100% the definition of a toxic relationship. So you are kidding yourself. If you think that because you fight so much and because the lows are so low and the highs are so high, that that is true love. Because passion, as far as a fiery relationship, does not equal love. Now, this might have this idea that that is love might come from your childhood, seeing really like tumultuous relationships, or it might just come from you being exposed to, you know, toxic romantic relationships. But often, that kind of does translate across, at least in psychology, if you've grown up with these really dramatic relationships of fighting, get, getting back together, fighting, then you're the kind of person that's more likely to stay in a relationship and perceive it as a loving relationship when you're fighting all the time because you think, you know, wow, I've seen them take me back after all these arguments or I've taken them back after all these arguments that this must be love because we're fighting together for this cause. Fuck that shit. Fuck it. Kill it dead in the water. It's a toxic relationship. Just be straight up. So my goal here, there's going to be people that are listening to this podcast that are already in a toxic relationship. I've got many episodes that are covering that. I've got episodes, toxic psychos and red flags. I've got uh, the narcissists, the dealing with cooked duds. There's so many, right? This particular episode though is going to be targeting If you're entering a relationship, my goal is for you to be able to nip it in the bud and not even enter the relationship. Or if you are one, two, three months into a relationship that you can be like, oof, that's it. I'm tapping the fuck out because I can see where this is headed. You need to start respecting yourself to the extent that if you see yourself in this relationship, know that you're worth more than that and you can step away. And also... As usual, my disclaimer here is please, 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 please make sure that all these behaviors that I'm talking about, uh, turn it back on yourself and say, am I engaging in any of these behaviors? Because it's no use you thinking, oh, no, you're toxic. You're toxic. I don't want to be with you. No, 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 no. I'm going to wait for a healthy person if you're a toxic psycho yourself. That's not, that's kind of defeats the purpose. So obviously when I deliver these uh, podcasts, I'm presuming that you are not a toxic psycho, but just keep that in mind and always check yourself and check your behaviors. And if these behaviors are cropping up, acknowledge them and take some fucking action. Okay, number one, the first warning sign is someone that's always either playing the victim or they always kind of have to have a pity party around them. They're preying on your feelings of empathy. And this happens with friendships as well. But this is, you know, an example of this is that if something happened to them and you ran to their aid to help them, then all of a sudden like, oh, and then this is wrong. Oh, and this is wrong. Oh, and this. So it's not just one thing. Like I've got a friend, love him, but every time I interact with him, like we have a great friendship, but if I'm really switched on and if I'm really engaging with him and I'm really present in our friendship, that's when he milks me for what I'm worth as far as sympathy. You know, if, if I'm 
busy and a bit detached and I've got a lot going on, then he's really like switched on, fun, you know. But the moment I reach out to him, it's always this idea of like, oh, this is not going well. Oh, this is a disaster. Oh, everything's a disaster. Everything's fucked. Everything's fucked. So it's kind of like that idea of them preying on your empathy, You know, when you're there, when you're present, they're going to prey on that and they're going to milk it for what it's worth. These people are also the kind of people that if you give them a compliment, they will use that opportunity to then talk about something they don't like about themselves. So then you're now down this spiral of like, no, no, but this is really good, but this is really good. This is really common in friendships as well. Um, So always playing the victim. They're also – people that play the victim are also really – likely to flip a situation so when you're expecting an apology let's say something happened between the two of you and then you go in expecting an apology and before you know it they've flipped it around and it ends up being you apologizing for something fuck knows what like let's say that this person behaved in a certain way whether you know whatever and you approach them about it you're like look this went down this wasn't good And then they turned it around being like, I've had a tough time, I this, I that, you don't understand my situation and now you come at me and you're attacking me for that when I've been so blah, 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 blah. And then you end up being like, oh, I'm really sorry that I offended you. And that's fucking, that's that's a red flag. That's a red flag. Someone that can't acknowledge their behaviors, if they're supposed to be apologizing fucking apologize and then raise the other issue independently from that. But people that will try and raise an issue when you're raising an issue, so it ends up being, you know, to basically to override your issue, that is a red flag. Number two, disregarding or ridiculing things that you say. Now, this could be big things or it could be little things, but it's those people that, for example, say you want to go eat someplace, you want to go to this cafe, oh, pfft. I'm not going there. They're fucking, they have shit coffee. Okay, well, why don't we go eat here? Oh, I wouldn't be seen dead eating there. That's what I, like all your suggestions, like see what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be major things, but they make you feel that your ideas or your suggestions or what you like is kind of like dumb or not really cool or it's not really that great. Number three, people that are untrusting and they're very open about it. They're really open about how little they trust other people. That's a red flag. Someone that's going on about how you can't be trusted, no one can be trusted. That just speaks, in my opinion, that speaks volumes of how untrustworthy they are. If they're always watching their back because you might get stabbed in the back by a friend or a colleague or whatever, to me, if they're on such high alert at all times, to me, there's often a reason as to why you're on high alert. Yes, I think everyone has to be just aware enough that yes, it's possible that someone can be stab you in the back or be toxic or, you know, fuck you over in some way, shape or form. But you shouldn't have to walk around at all times unless you have a reason to, unless, and by a reason I mean, unless you've done a lot of stabbing yourself that then you need to watch your back. If you haven't done that and if you're living quite a peaceful life where you're not doing anything to hurt anyone, then you don't have to be on high alert at all times. And even if someone does come and hurt you, you've got a good enough network of good people that, yeah, it sucks, but you don't have to be on high alert. So those people that are always going on about you can't trust anyone, you know, I've been hurt so much that now I can't trust, you know, a new relate, you know, the person I'm dating now. That's another thing with trust. If they're 
saying that you have to earn their trust in a relationship, in a romantic relationship, that's a red flag. You shouldn't have to earn trust when it comes to a romantic relationship because that means that you're entering a relationship with no trust. What else is it going to mean? In my opinion, you start with 100% trust and then it's up to your partner for you to lose that trust or not. They can choose to behave in a way that you're going to uphold that trust the whole time or they can choose to behave in a way that puts a lot of holes in your trust and starts to lower it and lower it and lower it. That's up to them. But I believe that when you enter a relationship, the trust must be high because if you start low, you're asking someone to prove something that it's kind of impossible to prove if you are a trustworthy person. How do you prove that you're trustworthy if you're not really doing anything wrong or that you're just being yourself, you know? How do you prove that without tests being thrown your way and then having to pass those tests? It's a weird concept to just enter a relationship with someone that you claim you love but be like, no, no, earn my trust. Fucking red flag, do not enter a relationship with someone like that. I don't care how badly they've been burnt in the past. You didn't do the burning. Their demons are not your responsibility. Number four, using silent treatments uh, for prolonged periods of time. Now, I want to kind of break down the whole silent treatment thing because look at dating apps, for example. If you're just chatting to someone and they take hours or a day to respond, they don't really owe you anything. That, 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 I don't think that counts as toxic. You know, They could actually be speaking to multiple people. They could have gone on a date and not wanted to text you or anyone else because they're investing their day on that one person. So if you're on the dating app thing, it's kind of this silent treatment thing doesn't really apply to that. It's more when you're starting to actually take it off the dating site, you're then, you know, texting each other, you're physically seeing each other, and you've clearly established that you're more than just casually chatting on an app. You've, it doesn't even have to be a full-on relationship, but it's more than just a casual chat, you know, like you're, you're speaking or messaging most days, all of that. The silent treatment is exactly that. They're trying to punish you by being silent. So this often happens after like maybe a little disagreement or, or they got offended about something. It's normally going to happen if something not great happened. Uh, or it's a manipulation tactic where they're going to try and instill fear uh, to get you to be messaging them, checking in on them, making sure that they haven't forgotten about you. So that's when someone's going to use that as a tool. Number five. Now, this is what I mean by a pink flag. It might not be a raging red flag, but this is something that you can be like, "Mm, okay, I'm on alert. I'll just watch out for other behaviors in you and we'll see. And this is someone who's constantly either talking about their exes or even worse, bad-mouthing their exes to you. Now, it's okay to obviously date someone who's had a horrible ex. People have that and it's not their fault that they had a horrible ex. But someone that's talking about how psychopathic their ex was to the person that they're now dating, to me that's like uh, they're trying to prep you into behaving a certain way. So they might be like, oh, my ex was a fucking psychopath because she, you know, when we'd argue, she was so stubborn. She was so stubborn and it was fucked and we could never get anywhere. So if you really like someone and they're talking to you about the traits that they hated in your ex, to them, that's their way of warning you 
being like, if you like me, you're not going to engage in any of these behaviors or traits that my ex did because you know how much I hate it. I always go on about how much they were a fucking psycho and, you know, and they're bad mouthing their ex all the time. That is a potential red flag. And also, you know, if they can't say one good thing about any of the people that they've dated, they're either unlucky, and that might be the case, or they are a common, the common denominator. It could be one of the two. And this is why I say it's a pink flag because I do understand that there are definitely people out there who have just had a bad run with people that they're dating. But even then, they shouldn't be talking about how toxic their ex was in this new relationship. That's, you know, bringing their baggage and trauma from the past and putting it into the new relationship. That's not your problem and that's not something that you have to deal with. And it sucks for them that they went through a bad relationship but not your problem and it's not your responsibility to be there to change it and to fix it up and if that person needs their new partner to come on in and help uh, reassure them that everything's going to be okay and they're going to be in a healthier relationship now then that is the building blocks for a toxic relationship because you're already starting on shit foundations if they do that now number six and I'm going to end on this one because it's going to go for like I'm going to go into depth with this one but number six is Pushing your boundaries. This is huge and this is something that you definitely need to get clear on when it is happening to you. Pushing your boundaries can be something so simple as a friend being like, I know you said you're going to stay out till 10. Come on, make it 11, make it 11. Come on, stay out. That's like a boundary that you might not mind it being pushed and you think, oh, fuck it. Fuck the boundary that I said I'll stay till 11. To actually testing the waters to call your bluff boundaries as in you know I only when I've I've just entered this relationship I really like you I like where it's going but I just want to see you just on the weekends because xyz you've got your reasons and then they you know we're talking early stages and then they're trying to push that to see you every single day can I see you now can I see you now they're trying to push that boundary your personal space boundary they're trying to get you to do a lot more with them or speak to them like my ex I used to say to my ex I don't like texting all day long you know yes in the morning yes at midday and he's like well it's not normal Alexis to not respond within a few minutes like I know you've got your phone on you and I'm like I do have my phone on me, but if I was to respond, then you respond and then I respond and then you respond and then where's my focus? Where's my energy to go towards the stuff that I need to be doing? Love you, but like I said, I don't want to be texting you all day. And he was like, well, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for me. And so that was a threat. He was threatening me. And what did I do? I failed my boundaries. I allowed him to step into, he was calling my bluff and he won. He stepped into those boundaries and I thought, oh, I don't want to upset him. So every time he texts, I just quickly reply. I just quickly reply. And then this te- it was just, he was texting so much and it was getting out of hand and it's not what I felt comfortable. He was crossing my boundaries of how much I want to text someone and he was impeding being like, I want to text this much, so you have to text this much. There was no compromise there whatsoever. It was if I don't reply, then it doesn't work for him, quote, unquote. That, you know, then then there's other boundaries where, you know, if you say no, instead of them accepting that it's a no, they will kind of manipulate the situation or question your no, being like, but why though? Like, well, like why is it a no? Why do you have to leave now? I just want to leave. But why? 
well, because I just wanted, no, 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 but come on, like we're here now, why? And it's that kind of questioning, not allowing you, not honoring your boundaries, not honoring your no. For example, on a much, much smaller, lighter scale, I've got a couple of friends who I love, but I have to make my boundaries very, very, very clear with them. And this often happens when we're out. They'll be like, oh my God, you know, stay longer, stay longer. And if I say, no, no, I'm going to go home now. No, no, you're weak. You're weak. What are you, are you actually going home? Are you weak? And to me, that's like, that's like textbook grade 10 chat. I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm weak. I'm going to go home like a weak dog. Good night. And they're like, no, no, don't, don't. Oh, fuck, you know, fuck off, fuck off. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Why are you going? Stay. So anyway, this could go on for an eternity if I allowed it. All I do with these friends is if I start to explain to them why I'm going home, as simple as the reason as I want to, then I get nowhere because that's not what they want. They want to push the boundaries. And like I'm saying, this might not be toxic. They might just be friendly. But their aim, you've always got to look at it. What am I trying to achieve and what are they trying to achieve? And when it comes to boundaries, get very clear. What am I trying to achieve? In this scenario with my friends, I'm trying to achieve me being in my bed as soon as possible. I'm over the night. I want to go home. What are they trying to achieve? They're trying to achieve to get me to stay out at all costs. So there's really the only thing you can do is leave. It's leave because they're not going to listen and have a a serious conversation and debate about something so trivial as I just want to leave. So in that scenario with my friends that are like, stay, so say, I literally just look at them and I say, good night. And then I walk away. And if they go on and on and on about it, they're probably not going to remember in the morning because they're lit as fuck. So I just don't care. But that's what I mean about my boundaries. If I set in my head, I want to go home at the point that I'm no longer enjoying myself. I don't care who the fuck you are. I don't care if you're the fucking queen of England. I'm not staying any longer. I don't give a fuck. If I'm not enjoying myself, I'm going home. End of story. I don't care what you say to convince me. And that should be the case with everything that you do. You have to honor your boundaries. So when you start to enter a relationship and they're questioning your nose, they're questioning your decisions for doing things, they're questioning why you do certain things the way you do them. Like, why aren't you texting me back straight away? Why aren't you, you know, why do you take so long to do this? Why do you keep messaging your friends so often? What, like, you know, always trying to push your boundaries and change your behaviors to suit them, that is a red flag. If someone wanted to change your boundaries in the form of a compromise, they would have be having to meet you halfway as well. In other words, if they're saying to you, I don't really like what you're doing because I'm used to it being this way and I see that you're used to it being that way, how can we meet in the middle? They wouldn't be saying, look, this doesn't work for me. You've got to do this or it's a no. They would say, look, is it possible that maybe you could start doing this and in exchange, I'll start doing X, Y, Z for you. If if they weren't toxic, they would speak to you about it or you would speak to them about it, about meeting each other in the middle. Okay, now I'm just going to go through some points or steps about boundaries and about people trying to encroach on your boundaries um, to make you kind of – really think about their behavior and your behavior when you're around them. So number one, you've got to notice when you are reinforcing their behavior. So when do you allow someone to do something or get away with something, even though you didn't feel comfortable at the time? Because if you allow it and then treat them 
normally, like nothing happened, then that is reinforcing their behavior. So if someone is going to like come into your territory and make you not feel okay, but your response was then, I didn't feel okay about that, that's never going to happen again, then you're not reinforcing that behavior. You've made it clear that that was not something you're ever comfortable doing again or you didn't like the kind of the dynamic with how the how it worked out that evening or whatever it was or the conversation or whatever. But if you don't pull them up on it, so say they manipulate you and you uh, – like they manage to manipulate you for, in whatever way and then you just let it slide, then you are reinforcing their behavior. So if you've got someone that's like that in your life, I want you to pay attention to when is it and what is it that I do that reinforces their behavior, which means they're going to do it again. Number two, never feel that you have to stay in a conversation or stay in a date that is uncomfortable. So if you can always recognize that you are in a position where you can leave, then you are less likely to be manipulated. So, and, and if they're aware of that, and I'm not saying like make it like a threat, like I can leave at any time. But if you have that comfortable awareness in your mind, knowing that I don't have to be here, if someone is bullying me or someone is, if there's a weird dynamic between the two of us where I'm constantly trying to protect my boundaries and they're constantly trying to get in, that's not a normal date. Don't think that that is normal. That's a huge red flag if they keep trying to push where your comfort uh, boundaries are as far as you know, protecting yourself. This has got nothing to do with getting out of your comfort zone and doing all of that and being, you know, confident. And be- That's got nothing to do with that. Your personal boundaries are completely independent of that. And that's, you know, where you are comfortable as far as allowing someone into your space or not. And that can be emotionally. And of course, that can be physically. So you always have to be aware that you can leave and you need to not put so much emphasis onto what will they think of me if I left because if you're coming from a mindset of like I said earlier in the podcast you've always got to think what am I trying to achieve and what are they trying to achieve and if you're just trying to achieve like calm and protection of your own boundaries but they're trying to achieve encroaching into your territory and getting you to change what you're doing or manipulate your actions then they are toxic. So it doesn't matter what they think of you because if anything, they're going to make it very clear that they think negative, negatively of you because that is a manipulation tactic. No one wants to be thought of in a bad light. So if someone makes it known that they think badly of you, that is a way of manipulating you because you then want to rewrite how they think about you. So never worry about what these people think of you. If you think, what am I trying to get out of this? What are they trying to get out of this? And the answer for them is they're trying to manipulate me. Then just walk away because I can guarantee you right now, they are going to think negatively of you, but we don't care about them. Okay. You now need to protect your space and you need to walk away. Okay. Number three, if you have said no, and someone keeps pushing your boundaries, understand that, again, that says more about them than it does about you. A big one is when they name call. So, for example, calling you lazy or a snob or you're a princess or you're frigid or you're cold. Um, Remember, again, what are they trying to achieve? Especially if it's early days in a date. Like, 100% 100% of the time, if they're name calling you, 
They're trying to manipulate you. They're trying to get you out of your comfort zone to put you in a position where you are vulnerable. And if they can get you to that position, then they have the power. They're going to have more and more and more power to get you to be or do or say what they want. But if you're within your boundaries, they don't have much power. There's not much, um, you know, movement. There's not much wriggle room there for them to manipulate you if you stay strong within your boundaries. And that's got nothing to do with having walls up. It's got nothing to do with like not being vulnerable. There's a huge difference with vulnerability and letting someone step all over you and manipulate you. Massive differences. You can be in a 40-year successful marriage where you always respect each other's boundaries and you can be completely vulnerable with each other. So remember, boundaries does not equal having your walls up, not at all. So don't get that confused and don't let someone make you think that that's what boundaries are. Now, number four, this is a huge one and I did mention this earlier in this podcast, but don't ever use the excuse of, oh, I'll do it now because it's really early days. I don't want to turn them off. I don't want them thinking this about me. I don't want them to not like me. Wrong. If you do it now, the power dynamic of your relationship will be fucked forever. A healthy relationship has an even power dynamic where both of you have even, are on an even playing field and sometimes one person gets their way, sometimes the other person gets their way. That's compromise, that's a relationship, that's life, okay? But if they manipulate you, especially at the beginning, then you're always at a loss. Remember, this is them on their best behavior. If you've got someone who's bullying you into doing something by name calling you or trying to be playful with the name calls, but in reality letting you know what they think about you, then I can guarantee you, hand on my heart, swear on my life, they will do it again. If this is happening at the start, it will be even worse at the end. So examples of this would be uh, making you feel like you always have to see them and because they've done you maybe a favor or they've you know been generous for you, then you feel like you owe them something. And then if you don't do that favor for them, or if you don't go and see them as much as they'd want you to see them, they're going to perceive you as ungrateful. So pay attention to how this person describes other people. Do they often describe other people as difficult or uh, or ungrateful? You know, or bratty, or is it because those people challenge them? So always listen to how someone describes someone else, that you learn so much about somebody just paying attention to how they speak about other people, not even about you. How do they describe other people? And that will speak volumes, especially if you've seen and interacted with that other person because, of course, then you get a better understanding because obviously there are times where you can speak negatively about someone because that other person is a dud. But in general, if someone's always saying like, oh, everyone's so difficult, everyone's trying to milk me for what I'm worth, everyone's so ungrateful, I'm always this, then they're the common denominator and there's a big chance that they are expecting so much from everyone else around them and everyone else always falls short. That's a very toxic trait. If everyone's always falling short, I can pretty much guarantee you that that person is toxic because they have unrealistic expectations of what they deserve and what people should be giving them. Another example of this would be if you're having an argument with them or even just a a disagreement or a debate, then instead of being able to have this healthy conversation, they character assassinate you. 
by saying things like, oh, you're such a feminist, aren't you? Or are you always this difficult? Or, um, oh, I can tell that you're really stubborn. Or, um, okay, a big one is, well, you're really fiery, aren't you? So for me personally, I've gotten that so much. Like an example of this is once I was chatting to this guy and we weren't even on a date. We were just having a conversation, but he was clearly interested in me and wanting to like continue the conversation and hang out for longer. And it was just getting like, I wasn't really that into the conversation, but he was wanting it to go for longer. We're having drinks. And we were talking about the hypothetical scenario of when people cheat on each other. And we were saying, what would you do if you were dating someone and they cheated on you? And my response was, I wouldn't even get into a fight. I would just walk away. The, the, the relationship would end. He'd never see me again. And his response was like, oh, I can tell you're a fire. He, no, he says, oh, there's that fiery Latina in you. And I was like, no, there's this self-respecting woman in me. Good night. And then I left. I'm like, fuck off, fiery Latina. First of all, Latina's got nothing to do with anything. I could be any nationality. Thank you very much. Secondly, fiery, even, you know, my description was I would just not get angry and never talk to him again. That's what I said. And that in his head is fiery. Anything to, you know, press my buttons. He was trying to push my buttons to get me to be defensive. That's what he was trying to achieve. And he was nearly succeeding because I was getting annoyed. I was like, oh, and I was almost trying to be like, defend yourself, Alexis. And then I was like, this guy is clearly trying to push my buttons. And if he can push my buttons to the point where I engage in a debate with him, he's won. Instead of me being like, tap the fuck out. This is not a conversation you want to get into. And in, I know it sounds dramatic, but I've been called a fiery Latina more times than I want to count. So... When someone then uses that on me, I see them coming a fucking mile away, especially when they're using that language on something that's so small and so trivial. So that's what I mean about character assassinating you. You know, you, you're trying to have a healthy debate, but then they turn it around to being like, oh, the reason that this conversation is going nowhere, the reason you don't agree with me is because you're stubborn. They don't turn the tables around and look at themselves being like, wait a minute, there's two of us in this conversation and both of us are disagreeing. So maybe we equally carry the weight of the responsibility of the disagreement. No, for them, it's like, wow, the reason you are blinded to see my point of view is because you're stubborn or because you're fiery or because you're really difficult. You're just a difficult person or you're a princess or you just don't see it, do you? You just don't see it. That is toxic and that is manipulation. So you, you need to really pay attention to these things. And like I said, a lot of these things may or may not be pink flags in the sense of like maybe they just said it once and you caught them off guard. But regardless – if they say it once or if they do it subtly, you just want to have like your ears pricked being like, okay, clocked that. If they do it again, then it's a pattern. If it's a once-off, mm, okay, maybe it was a once-off. But don't let it slide completely. You know, we have a memory for a reason. Let it serve you and just be aware when people try to manipulate you and get you out of your comfort zone. So all these things that I've mentioned are things that weirdly enough occur extremely early on in a relationship. You can just even be in a texting relationship um, or you can be in, you know, like just the first few dates. It, like it doesn't matter, but always 
be aware that people who are toxic are going to try and manipulate you from the beginning, from the beginning. I've had guys that I've not even met and I've been messaging and then they're trying to take the messages really sexual really quickly. And for me personally, I'm not interested. No judgment if you want to have, like if you want to be sexting immediately, fucking go for gold. But I make it clear that I'm not interested, especially if I've never met the person. I just say to them, hey, look, I think you've chosen the wrong girl. I'm not going to engage in this conversation, especially considering I've never met you. All the best. And then the response is often like, oh, what do you mean? Like, you know, you obviously didn't, you know, you misinterpreted what I said. That's not what I was getting at. That's not what I was getting at. When the conversation was clearly exactly going that way asking for like, you know, sending a photo or asking for this or asking for that. And then they go in on the defense, make it look like I'm a psycho for suggesting that the conversation was headed down that path. That is toxic behavior. That is toxic behavior 101. Or when someone approaches you and tries to, you know, get something out of you sexually and you're like, oh no, I don't want that. Oh no, I wasn't, I wasn't going there. I wasn't trying to have sex with you. I wasn't... Manipulation, manipulation, manipulation. See that coming a mile away and fucking run for the hills. Those people are fucking cooked in the head and you just want to step the fuck away. If that person doesn't correct their behavior in an instant, then they are toxic people, toxic people. So in a lot of scenarios, you might want to give someone one chance. That's about it, one chance. You don't want to give two, but be aware. And if that behavior doesn't change, then you knew from the beginning. All right, that pretty much sums up the early warning signs. I think, obviously, a lot of these things you can even, if you're in a relationship, you can, uh, these things also work as signs for people being in a relationship as well, of course. But this is specifically for when you just enter a friendship or enter a relationship. Um, and like I said, like that story that I was talking about that happened with me and that girl, you know, sing, trying to like exclude me for everything. That's toxic behavior. Even if I ended up becoming, you know, better acquainted with this girl, I already understand what she's trying to do, where, you know, how she tries to manipulate people around her. That to me isn't a nice trait. And if I saw one of my friends behaving in that way, singling someone out, making them feel uncomfortable for being there, making them feel like they're not welcome or whatever – um, I would 100% speak to my friend about it because I don't like to associate myself with toxic bullies. Um, so I really hope that if you are in a position to pull your friends up on their fucking bullshit pathetic behavior that you do, you know, I think if you are on, if you are able to get to a place in your life where you're improving yourself and your behaviors and then you see other people acting out, I think you owe it to them to give them the opportunity to become a better person by pulling them up on their behavior because there's the very slim chance that they're just a fucking idiot and they haven't realized it. But if they have realized it and they're doing it on purpose, it's also beneficial for you to say, hey, I've noticed your behavior. I don't agree with that behavior. I don't support you being that way to someone who's not being mean to you. So clean up your act. You know, that's, I think that's, beneficial in relationships and I can guarantee you right now if one of my friends was like that 100% I'd pull them up on it if one of my friends was dating someone and was being toxic within that relationship 100% I would pull them up on their behavior they don't have to listen to my advice they don't have to listen to what I say but I'll fucking say it 
That's just my fucking two cents. If you don't feel comfortable saying it, that's up to you. That is 100% your decision. But the more people that we can have pulling each other up, the better. Because that is how we can reflect on our behaviors, on our actions, on why we do what we do. And it gives us the opportunity to be a better person, to make better decisions next time. I'm not talking about attacking someone, being like, you're fucked, you made someone. But pull them up and say, hey, what are you doing? And why? And what are you trying to achieve? Because remember, there's always a desired outcome from every single action that someone takes. So if you can understand what that person is trying to achieve, then maybe you can get into their psyche or maybe they can kind of reflect on themselves and realize that maybe there's a better action that they can take. Um, Cool. So that is the podcast. Anyway, guys, thank you so much. As always, your support has been fucking amazing. I'm loving the support amongst each other on the Facebook group. You guys are legends. It's so good. Um, And of course, please keep sharing and um, rating and reviewing the podcast. That helps me so much. And um, yeah, it honestly means the world to me seeing everyone share the podcast. It's actually incredible. And you guys you're doing, you're doing amazing work for me. So I really, really appreciate it. Anyway, have an amazing week. Be kind to yourselves, be kind to your brains and don't take shit from anybody, especially after listening to this fucking podcast episode. Do not take shit from anyone. Don't let people encroach into your boundaries. And um, yes, have a fabulous week. Danke.